Welcome to another episode of Felic Thunder Podcast. I'm here with uh, Bruce Soto. How are you doing, Bruce? Great, great. Thanks for having me on. So uh, you're a promoter uh, and a musician. And what what other titles do you hold? <laughs> uh, Daddy, Daddy Daycare, number one. Um, yeah, I've been fortunate. We've been, I've been performing since at a young age and... Um, you know, it's been good over more, like 30 years. And within that, it started uh, just getting behind the scenes and taking uh, stuff and making things happen myself. And the business has just grown and grown and grown and grown. And now I got an entertainment company producing concerts around the country. Just finished working with Snoop Dogg last Saturday. With um, We have another tour with the legendary Brenton Wood. And Barbara Mason out on tour. I have another show coming up in uh, March, the Funk Fest. It's uh, Funk in L.A. featuring Morris Day in the Time, Cameo, Zap, The Barquets, Lakeside, Daz Band, Mary Jane Girls. And uh, we're getting ready to hit the road with that tour as well. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, so when did you actually start? in the uh, entertainment industry. Uh, What were you doing? Well, it started at a young age with my brothers. Uh, It's a family unit. We had, um, uh, we used to just play in the backyard and be in marching band in high school. And after practices, we'd go and pick up our instruments. And so that just continued throughout our school years. And it just continued and continued. That was uh, grade school, or yes, it started in uh, the sixth grade. You know, uh, fifth, sixth grade, and then junior high school. We had our own little band, and it just kept growing from there. Oh, what was the name? Cool Breeze. Cool Breeze. Cool Breeze is the first name. How'd you guys come up with that? Yeah, I don't even remember how we came. Just sitting, with... I know, the I shit. know, I know. It was, um, it was a uh, collective. Decision, yeah, but uh, it came up with Cool Breeze, and then we changed to New Breeze, and then uh, finally Soto kept we kept the family name. Oh, that's good. So, when you were doing shows when you were younger, um, do you still feel the same energy that you do now when you do a show? Or do you feel it more? Do you are you? I. You know, I've been doing this a long time, and so it's, um, it, I can be burnt out and tired because of what life throws at you, and it's become more of, I would say, sometimes a job, and, you know, going and do your, doing your thing, but you got to keep yourself in that entertainment mode uh, when you're there. Um, after that, you go back into father mode or, you know, business mode, and sometimes it can get monotonous, you know, doing the same thing five, six nights a week. Same songs. Same songs, you know, and just doing it over and over. But there's always that one night that just everything gels with the band, with your playing, with the crowd, with the fans, with the energy. You feel the magic again. The magic. And that one night will just hold off for another two years. We'll hold you through another two years. Through the dark times. Yes, man. Nobody clapping. Or right. <laughs> exactly. I tell Rudy, uh, you know, they're, they're looking at you with those cold, dead eyes sometimes. And no matter what you do or how hard you, uh, you, you tell your jokes, you know, you you're just not gonna. Yeah. And it pays the dues, and we have, we all will have good, um, good days and have some bad days. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Uh, there's been a few bad ones. I mean, as a comic too, man, it's pretty devastating, dude. Yeah. Especially when you're starting out, you, you go up there feeling great. You have, you know, you're, uh, you're just ready for it, you know, and then, you and, get and it's, it's, the golf clap and oh. And it's really weird because. Um, as I started uh, producing comedy shows and getting into the comedian's lifestyle and uh, I kind of related to the entertainment, you know, the, uh, what we do in the bands with the groups and been through the same kind of stuff. And just like you said, you know, there's some good nights and bad nights and, you know, trying material that didn't work and, you know, getting material, doing the same, going back, jumping back to the material that does work. And, you know, it's, it was really a, is a, 
interesting transition going into the comedy lifestyle. Did you ever think about going up and doing comedy? Yes, I. Yeah, I can. I'm a lot more funnier off stage than I am on stage. Um, I thought about it. I just. I've been doing this for a long time, and when when I'm performing with the group, with the bands on stage, uh, I have to be a comic, you know. Crack some jokes while yeah, you're up there to, hosting. You know, I have to host and crack some jokes, and you know, I always say I can do it up there, but I'm. I gotta tell you, I'm sissy lala. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I, I, I perform for thousands and thousands of people, but uh, I've been considering, you know, trying to go up there and stage, and I'm a sissy lala. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. You know what, man? It's the smaller crowds that are fucking scary. You know the. When it's a really small crowd, you're like, oh, you know, you know, you have to kill because you don't have that, the volume of people who you know you're gonna get at least seventy percent. Right. You know, but if you only have four people, and two of them are putting out negative energies, arms folded, and you get those people, oh shit, <laughs> it's gonna be a real shit show. Right. Exactly. Uh, but then you have some, like tonight. Tonight was a great crowd. Oh, we had a nice crowd tonight. Yeah. Nice crowd. I was very happy about uh, the night tonight, and the comedians were on point, and people were enjoying them. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I performed tonight. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a good crowd, man. That energy was there. Sometimes, you know, you, you get people that are, you know, tired. They just want to chill, have a drink with their friends, and it's more like you're you feel like you're imposing on their night of them having a nice quiet <laughs> a drink you know and yeah sometimes they're just not they just don't want it <laughs> and, and you can feel it right that's hard that's hard for a comedian I and sometimes I you know I'm in there and I I, might, I cringe sometimes because I know the difficulty of of them I have a I was just working with one of my comedian friends last night and you know he's helping out some up and coming comedians, and one of them was very young, 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 young girl, not even old enough to be in in clubs and stuff. <laughs> but she, you know, she her and her mom, and she's out, and this is what she wants to do, and and uh, so I, but it's hard to watch, you know, when they're not prepared or not happening, and it's just or a, just not funny sometimes. Yeah, it's just a sinking ship, you know. <laughs> but I, I, um, I appreciate the. The drive that they have and keep going. Yeah, it's hard at first, man. Yeah. Especially when when you're not funny, because most new comedians, not all of them, but a lot of them are. Where we, I wasn't funny at first. I I I had to earn my stripes. Right. I'm still earning them. Right. right. There's some rooms I can't touch. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, and I, I um, getting into the comedian world, I was. Uh, some of the comedians repeat they come over here and I I want to tell them for one since I'm booking and stuff like that have yourself a promo picture and I'm not talking just a selfie get yeah. a nice promo picture for one um, don't be afraid to try new material and you know if you're going to come back to the same place you know every two months every month it's the same crowd uh, you come up with some new material because I, I, I see that you know, it's a safety net. Uh, it's a safety net uh, to go back to you, your original material that works for you. And we and I've experienced that with the band, all the back in the days. If these songs don't work, I'll play La Bamba. Everybody will dance. You know. Yeah. So I I know how that is, but I just my uh, my experience is always bringing new material. Especially if you're doing the same room every a time. Absolutely. absolutely. So my set flexes. I, I uh, try to read the crowd and, you know, I cha make changes. Now I've learned how to make the changes. And, and reading the crowd is, well, is a very important thing. That's uh, something that I've done uh, throughout my career is uh, being able to know what to play, when to play because of the crowd's reaction. Um, I mean, we're fortunately we've been doing this a long time, so we're able to play um, pop music. Where you know, if there's a Latin crowd, we'll play all Latin music. If there's a black crowd, we'll play R and B music. We're able to do that, so it's important to know your crowd and make the changes as it needs to be. Yeah, it, you have to get to the point where you can be just fluid with it. And uh, I watch these guys like Gilbert Esquivel, Rudy Moreno, and right. Yeah. Oh, I just had Jesus Christ. I just had Gilbert Esquivel um, host 
one of our concerts at the Microsoft Theater with War and all kinds of, a lot of groups. And Gilbert is just so relaxed and comfortable. Oh, he and, was born to do this and shit, he, man. And he just puts everybody in that mood and everybody, he just grabs everyone's attention. Uh, and I had Cat Williams on the same show. And... Cat Williams was telling Gilbert, "You go tell more jokes before I go. I go on there because Gilbert just is just a natural. He makes you feel like he's one of he, you're one of him, and he's one of you, and uh, he just has that natural smoothness. And, and it, it doesn't matter what crowd it is either. It does he, not matter what crowd it is, and he is an expert. And Rudy's, I've had Rudy Moreno on a, a few of our concerts too, and just killed it, killed it. I had him on my first." Uh, a concert at the Microsoft Theater with Bretton Wood and sold out and Rudy went up there and just, I mean, tore it down. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine from work went to that concert. Oh, great. And she I was like, oh, you were there? My friend Rudy was up there. And she oh, my God, you know Rudy Moreno? Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Yeah, we, that's crazy. We're always hanging out. And she's like, oh, can you give me his autograph? I was like, really? Rudy? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, we got it for her, and she was like, oh, I love that stuff, and she was, she's a homegirl from work, so we hook it up. Awesome. Um, so what's it like working with some of these big names? Uh, some of them have been, you know, I've, have, I've had to do, you know, all the behind-the-scenes from booking them and making sure they're taking care of what they want, their writers, and, you know, and things don't always happen smoothly, so you find out who the real people are. Um, there's some of them I wish I would have never m- met personally, Some of them, and there's some of them that are just our dear friends and appreciate everything that we've done, and some of them are just divas. Yeah. Who, who would you say is the easiest to work? Well, I don't want to say who's the worst because, you know, then we can't say names. But um, who would you say is are a few of the easiest so you don't have few, to pick a favorites? A few of the easiest. I've been working, you know, I've been doing this a long time, so I have a rapport with some of them. I just started working uh, with the legendary Barbara Mason. And uh, she is just old school and polite. And Sweet sweet and her manager Dale and you know they just appreciate you know if, if you say you're going to call them back they expect that call back they're waiting for that call back and it brought me um, it made me check myself you know like there is people like that so let's make sure you keep yourself don't, in a professional way and don't and, be cynical but be- they were always very prof- very very appreciative when things are done correctly and and it, and I because of that I've checked myself and working with them is just a pleasure. I mean, absolutely a pleasure. What's she like? I mean, I mean, she has a voice. She has to be like in her late in her early seventies, and her voice is, has not changed a bit. Still tuned I mean, up. Absolutely amazing, amazing. I um I performed with a lot of people throughout the years and. Uh, and I've known a lot of famous people, a lot of famous artists, and I've learned a lot. But working with her this last year, I actually was brought back to school. This is how it's done. You know, this is how you capture an audience. This is how you act. This is, um, she was just absolutely amazing. Um, who's one of the funniest ones? I know some of these guys have personalities that are out of the, <laughs> out of control. I uh, I have a lot of um, you know I'm only thinking right now of just the last few concerts that I've done. I've done so many of them. Uh, I worked. I just got done working with War, and Lonnie Jordan, the leader of War. We ended up spending like two days together. We did interviews here in our studios, and then um, you know hanging out the at the concert and hearing all his stories that he had and just his open personality and, and it was it was a real treat to work with him and, and laugh. Um, Paul Rodriguez used to come and beg to open up for our, our you know, p- perform in between our sets. Back in the days, I, I go way back with Paul. and uh, then, I got uh, to meet him a, a couple months ago. Super nice guy. Yeah, and uh, Paul, Paul taught me how to... Uh, act with people 
you know, be be maybe like a, a celebrity. And he really taught me a lot of how to deal with it and how to act and, you know, and how to go through a crowd. And uh, I, I learned a lot from Paul you know, because I was with him when he started, when he became real famous. Um, so how, how would you go walk through a crowd? Like, what did he say about that? Well, I mean, I remember we were doing um, a park in East L.A. And... We were there, and who want we were going to go to our car, and it was on the other side. So I was going to have someone go get it. He goes, no, let's go. I said, Paul, you're going to get bumped. He goes, no, watch, come on. So he just went, and people started coming up to him, running, and shake their hand, just keep walking. Hey, how you do? Nice, waving at them. And with, but with so much confidence, people just let him do, let him go. And this is what, uh, at his, the height of his career, and I was like, wow. And then we'd go out, and we'd go out to restaurants and stuff and watch the way he he, you know, just interacted with everybody. Hey, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I, those are the little things I learned. It was it was really great, man. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah, and uh, and then I worked with George Lopez. You know, we used to open up for him at the, every time he was at the hop. Oh, shit. The hills, yeah. And uh, I, he hit me up on Twitter about a year ago saying, hey, do we still have to put a deposit down for it to perform at the hop? <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, so been able to work with them and actually hopefully we have another project coming up with George Lopez uh, in 2019 oh cool uh, comedy tour or comedy and music oh uh, damn yeah heavy like a war Some... I, I, oh you can't I, oh, I can't okay. say who it All is right. but it's, it's, it sounds it, like it's entertaining yeah, it's, it's already it's bigger than war <laughs> oh really yeah so but uh, oh. hopefully that we're gonna lock all that deal in and for 2019. That's cool, man. Yeah. You see, I can just picture you having so much fun, dude, at night. I mean, yeah, I know it's work, but then, you know, the work ends and you can kind of right. chill with some really like, cool people, like this man. Like this last show that we just did at the Microsoft Theater, and I had um, War, Bretton Wood, Barbara Mason, The Shy Lights, um, uh, Joe Baton, and it was... But because it's one of my shows and, you know, I couldn't sit and watch it. Uh, it was just everything. I was producing it, so I just couldn't enjoy it. But afterwards, you know, and all the responses from people all over, you know, and, and you know, being able to, all the artists that were really happy that we put this together, it, it, was, it, was, it was nice. It was very good. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it was really awesome. Uh, when you were a kid, did you picture yourself being where you are with these people absolutely like, oh really yeah, absolutely i knew i uh, I, I just, you knew this is where you were gonna be i, I knew i knew exactly it. and then you know i didn't musically i didn't get to where i thought i wanted to be and probably won't but i've done things uh i've done things that most people could only dream of and I, you're I mean, producing big shows i mean i'm producing big shows now uh, i've worked with so many people i've uh my top 40 band uh, has toured all over the world. I mean, I've lived on, went on the yachts in Hong Kong, uh, and barely what? had enough money to pay my phone bill, but lived a life of luxury with a. What's that salary. like, man? It was it was amazing. I mean, on those yachts, what happens on those yachts? <laughs> you know, it. Is it we, like the movies? It was just a night. It was a you meet the right people, the nice people. It's not you know. We, we're the crazy ones, so we're the ones that were drinking. Uh, but, you know, being on the yacht, it was just, they would take us out. And we literally would, because it's Hong Kong, half English, half Chinese, they would, four o'clock, we'd have to stop the boat and have a little tea time. Uh, tea and crumpets and biscuits and, and then move on. And then they would sell it to a little uh, island, get on a little boat and little Chinese people, houses, they'd cook for us and we just drink, party, and get back on the boat and go back around the harbor of Hong Kong. Amazing, amazing memories and stuff. And and here we, I mean, I think I was only making three hundred dollars a week, three four hundred dollars a week back then. Partying like and, a rock star. Partying rock like a rock star. And they were. I remember being on Good Morning America because they were filming it over there. This was in nineteen ninety four, I think it was. And uh, uh, going to India performing for. 30,000 people in a stadium in the rain all singing La Bamba 
Incredible. In India? In India. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so we've, we've done some amazing things, and then uh, we uh, had the honor for f- performing for the troops, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, and uh, it was... They're just, probably one of the most appreciative crowds, aren't you they? You know, that was... I was there in the beginning of the war, the middle of the war, and the end of the war, so I've seen... I see the whole process of... Uh, the troops that came in, and in the beginning, it was just, it was the saddest thing, uh, you know, pulling in all the reservists, you know, people that never thought they'd see war, they were doing it for, you know, to education, school, education yeah. and stuff, and seeing them break the phones because, you know, things were happening at home, they couldn't, and they couldn't do nothing about it, and we had this one driver, lady driver, she crying to us, I'm not supposed to be here, I'm not supposed to be here, and it was just, I mean, it was the saddest thing and and then the middle of the war you know uh i remember being in the middle and every you just see more people are focused okay this it is what it is you know and in the war seeing all of our i mean leaving tanks and tanks lined up that you could not see just leaving them behind in iraq and i just, and these gymnasiums i mean on the on the bases was maybe a million dollars to build these things and being left there it was a bit it was just crazy to me and the the what were the natives like i mean were they hostile to them or well, was it like the news where well, and, and i yes in iraq when we were in, in baghdad you know we had incoming all the time uh constant incoming there was this one base that it was one of the only bases we performed inside the mess hall uh the cafeteria and, you know, all the local, they, they hire the local people to come and work and stuff like that. And, you know, we'd take, they'd want to take pictures with us and everything. And um, and we, that was our last base. And then we flew home from there. The two days that we, the, the day that we got home, there was a suicide bomb from one of the workers in that, in that uh, mess hall. Fuck. Crazy. How many people lost their lives that it day? It was about 20 people. Yeah. The same people that were paying and... Right, exactly. Fuck. Yeah, so, I mean, we've seen it all and done it all. And, like, and although we were just a top 40 band, I'm very blessed and very happy. We've done so many amazing, wonderful things. <laughs> and so, I mean, did my time, and now I'm really into producing these shows now and... I still perform, but, you know, my main business is this entertainment business and the concert promotion, nightclub promotions. People don't realize how much goes into just putting on a show at a nightclub. It's a lot. <laughs> or a e- lot. even downstairs. Yeah, I do. I, we also have, a, like, a book. I have a booking agency, and I book bands um, and different. So I have four, four venues that I book entertainment for as well. And then... Uh, Three of them I do promotions for, and then plus the concerts that we're constantly doing. Oh, this is a great office, by the way, man. Oh, thank you. Do any of these have a, guitars have a special story for you? Uh, no, those ones are put away. Oh, they <laughs> yeah, are? Yeah, those ones are put away. I had a, there's one guitar that I have that uh, we were in Singapore, and I was playing Fender, and uh, but we were in Singapore, and George Benson was in the audience. Uh, he's doing a concert out there, so he was hanging out, and so we were playing La Bamba, and uh, let me see, I can do this. So we were playing La Bamba, and I went into the audience. And I went into the audience, and I took, I took my um, started to, um, I took my guitar out and uh, off. Can you have me that? Oh yeah. I took my guitar off and we were playing like... Then we played La Bamba and I took my guitar off, I handed it to him and he says, oh, I can't, that's a Fender. <laughs> I said, and, uh, I started laughing and then he, and I said, God, give it to me. So we were playing La Bamba and he starts... He started playing Breezing over on top of La Bamba. It was crazy. That's pretty cool, man. So, he signed my guitar. And, 
outside, so I have I have that locked away. away in the vault somewhere. Yeah, because he said he said if Gibson uh, if Gibson found out he'd be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, so that was really cool. So could they actually lose some? Like, uh, they won't because he's so big, but it's not a good business. So. It would it would be frowned upon, right? Yes. <clears throat> With extreme prejudice. Yes. <laughs> Ah, that's pretty cool, man. I mean, like, you have a lute over there, right? Is that a lute? That's a mando- mandolin. Mandolin? Mm-hmm. Do you play that too? Nope. It was given to me as a gift, and I just never picked it up. I take it it's not the same as playing a guitar no, at all? No, absolutely not. It's tuned differently. It's it's just totally different. Why, uh, who gave it to you? Um, one of the persons that did my guitar work at Fender. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever played with it? Yeah, well, just messing just around with it. Just messing around? It is, does it feel like something totally alien? Very alien. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like, ah, I don't want to tell you. I, I don't have the time to play this thing, man. The screws are so old. I actually recorded a couple little things on it though in the studio because I just oh really just want to get that sound. These strings are so old I can't even play on it. And it's not a tune as you can see. Yeah. That's all right. And then uh, that's a kalimba. Oh, I didn't even see that thing coming in. As you know, someone. It's an Af- Af- African instrument and made famous by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Have you ever booked them? No, um, I haven't booked them, but I worked with them. Oh, yeah? Uh, so, um, if I have a picture of them over uh, Maurice White. I have a picture of Maurice White up there, um, the leader of Earth, Wind, and Fire. He, uh, back in the days before it was cool to be a Latin artist, he kind of foreseen it coming. And, um, and, but before him, before him, the guitar player, Al McKay, of Earth, Wind & Fire, wrote That's the Way of the World, and some of the other songs, he was friends with uh, my manager, and he came down and came to one of our rehearsals, and then he says, uh, he says, you guys need a percussion player. You're Latin. You should have percussion in your group. And so he, my brother was a sound man, and, but he was a former drummer. So he said, you need to start playing percussion. That's how my brother got into percussion. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, I started hanging out with him, with Al McKay, and just the one of the greatest guitar players. I just amazed. I learned so much from him. And then um, I was got to be in the studio while he was producing The Temptations and he um, I was in the studio when they were uh, there was a song called uh, Temptations Treat Her Like a Lady and that's the song that they were working on and uh, just I'll, I'll never forget that it was it was just amazing that's pretty cool yeah. man so then after after a while then Maurice White came to a concert we had in um, Anaheim he came to see us because he wanted that Latin influence and he he liked it, and so he set up three rehearsals, and we rehearsed, and we had to come up with some music and bring it back to him, and then, um, and then with that, that's when he started getting sick, and oh. you know, and so that kind of just fell fell off. But memory, memories I'll never forget. Yeah, man. What do you think of the uh, cover this chick did uh, recently of one other? I think it was one of their songs. Uh, I think it was. Uh, not Shania Twain, that other chick. Um, can't think of She's the one who, who got her butt grabbed. Uh, oh. Um, I, I can't think of her name right now, but I think she did a a cover of one of their songs, didn't she? Probably, I don't Yeah, it, it was very um, not earth, wind, and fire. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say anything bad, but I didn't want to say anything yeah. good. Uh, shit. What a so now as an artist, as a musician, who would you say is one of the greatest honors to have played with? Um, 
there's a man on my wall right there. His name is Wawa Watson. Uh, he's was a legendary Motown guitarist, and um, he took us under his wings, and really gave me the schooling of life and became a good personal friend. And he just passed away last month. Oh, he did. Yes, he just passed oh. away last month. But he was one of recorded all the old Motown Temptation songs, gave it that new, at that time, that new flavor of that. Yeah. was a guitar player for all those songs. Yeah, so, but uh, I just learned so much from him. It was awesome. What, uh, what, what kind of things did you, I mean, as a guitarist, uh, what is it that he taught you? Just little tips here and there? Or? Uh, a lot of little tips. Um, oh. <laughs> a lot of little tips. He uh, he bought us all cassette players at that time, me and my brothers. And he says, whatever, record everything you do. You practice, you record it. You perform, you record it. He goes, the tape does not lie. So if something's not right, you fix it. But you can't fix it unless you hear it. And uh, that's something I use today. You just take it every... Well, now we have our phones, so it's yes, a lot easier, it, it, right? Exactly, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, the same things comedians do. Uh, you know, we we think of something funny and we we take notes down. Right. Like I'm I'm writing a, uh, a musical about uh, Anne Frank, but, oh. but here, so... Uh, with the, all the immigration stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So it's called Anna Francisco, Somewhere Over the Border. <laughs> so in the spirit of Mel Brooks, but with modern satire, and instead of Nazis, we have uh, gay Klansmen and <laughs> choir boys. Yeah, it, right. we're in the middle of writing, and we're just cracking ourselves up and having fun doing that. So the creative process, man, What? how do you do it? Well, I'm not. I don't really write as much as I used to, because I just was. I got burned. I got burned out. My whole life has been music, and I just stayed away. My brother is the creative one. He's the talent, and we've all learned our positions, you know. And I'm the bis. I'm in the business one, and but uh, I've written a lot of stuff, and just recently been motivated to start back in the studio. I have a studio next door. Um, and so we're back in there and working on some stuff and just like, like you said, I have all the stuff right here on my phone, the new ideas that I have, that I have and want and stuff. Even little riffs, right? Like yeah. uh, everything. Yeah. You record it and you save it for later. Yeah. Let me see if I could pull one up here. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, eventually, actually. I'll get an office, and maybe not this big, but, you know, something I can call my own. Yeah, we were just sound checking. You came up with an idea. Yeah. Just hanging out, playing? Yeah. That's pretty cool, man, like... That's kind of like how comics do. We just shoot the shit until yeah, something actually, funny comes out. Actually, tonight I was—I uh, noticed that all the comics had their phone recording tonight, and I know I will see one or two, but tonight all of them had them. Everybody was recording. Yeah, every everybody did well, man. Um, I usually don't really say that, but it was a great crowd, man. Yeah, it, nice. very receptive and. They got the jokes tonight. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, I didn't do too bad tonight. All right. Very, very it's cool. cool. Very cool. So it, it always feels good. Like, I'm sure, you know, when, when you get walked off, I mean, you know, they're cheering for you, oh, yeah. asking for encores. I mean, I'm sure to this day it still feels great, yeah, you know. wonderful. I mean, yes. They, they appreciate your art, you know. They appreciate you performing, uh, and they just want to hear more. Yeah. And that that must feel great as a... As a Band, it, you know? it, it's awesome because uh, we we meet so many people that say because of you guys we got I'm married with kids and you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know it, uh, I married we met with watching you guys and uh, it's we get that a lot. That's so pretty. It, that's cool. very fulfilling. It's very nice. What uh so 
you lead a, I wouldn't say that's kind of harsh to say a lonely life, but a very busy life to it, where... It, it is a lonely life. I mean, it, uh, I'm, you know, unfortunately, my business consumes up most of the stuff, most of my time. And I wish I would have been more focused when I was younger, but I was more focused, you know, too busy trying to be a rock star and living that lifestyle. Now, I'm older now and very focused, and uh, but because of that, there's consequences. Yeah. You know, and so... Uh, I, I feel them sometimes, like, you know, most successful uh, comedians are out there 12, 12 nights a week, and I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, I have a full-time job, you know, I have a, a wife and a kid, and a wife who uh, said... You're going where again? <laughs> you know, like, where are you going? You know, you right. have a 13-year-old son. Like, right. Yeah, all yes, right, exactly. all right, you know. <laughs> so it's hard when you're married, man. Yeah, and it is. I mean, I've, I went through two marriages. Oh. Yeah, so, yes, definitely, definitely difficult. Yeah, it, it, it you know where you want to go and where you can be, but at the same, hey, you, you have obligations that you got to take care of, and... and Actually, that sounds kind of harsh. Not obligations, but... Responsibilities. Uh, re- exactly. Yeah. Oh, damn, I, I just I, sounded a... like a total asshole right now. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just the artist in us. Um, I'm, a single, I'm a single father, so juggling all this is... Uh, it's been... It's difficult. I mean, it's tiring. I'm running around like crazy, you know, and um, I have a, you know, little routine. Wednesday, my oldest daughter, she's stays at the house and you know with my youngest daughter uh, so I can come to work and do what I need to do over here so your kids are super supportive then oh yeah they love the business and it was just a big thrill a couple weeks ago they end up showing up to um, to the Microsoft theater while we're sound checking and they got to see what I actually do and it just gave them a whole different perspective on oh my god dad and two of them stayed all the way through the show and and uh, I was came in and they said, Dad, I just feel like I need to give you a hug right now with all the stuff you're doing. I said, that's all I need. It was really, really nice that they came and seen what I actually do because they had no idea. You know, I, I just, I was telling you that uh, I'm starting to dabble in producing comedy shows. And you know what, man? Wrangling comedians, it's like wrangling cats. Mm-hmm. You know, you got last-minute cancellations. Yeah, sometimes it's a good excuse. You know, they're sick or, you know, something happens. But then you're scrambling looking for someone to cover. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm sure it's and the I same do, way. I do that with musicians as well. You know, somebody. And because it's my business, it's, you know, my name, my business, they really don't put that commitment into, you know, if they have some, I don't feel good today, I'm not going to go. I'm like, you know. What? Yeah. You telling me like three hours before the gig, all the best music, all the all your replacements are already working. Um, yeah, so it's it gets it gets. Oh, what crazy. do you do in a situation like that, man? You... I am not as I'll tell you something. I'm not. I'm not. I'll be the first to tell you. I'm not a singer. I'm never. I don't have a good voice. I've never been able to be a good singer. But I sing for the band because I had no choice but to get through the gig. <sighs> you know, and it's just because. I've had so many cancellations. We just we're gonna do it, and so just I you just do it. do it. Just do it. I'll be the first to tell you. I'm not a lead singer, I'm not, but I we just. But you can get through it. We'll get through it. Wow, man! So, I imagine uh, when a whole band doesn't show up, what <laughs> that man, that throws I've, off your whole your whole some, night, right? I've been in some situations that. Um, you know, I'm having to do the the name of the band is Solo Band, but I'm having to do two, three solos because we're booked. You know, so my brother will take half of the band here, and I'll take the other half over there. And I mean, there's times where like uh, one of the piano players, the main player, did, decides I'm not going to come, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> what the hell? We're doing the first set. Finally, you know, we know so many people. We're just calling anybody and everybody. You Do you know, know how to play piano? Yeah, you know, exactly. And, you know, get somebody over there. You just make it happen. Make wow, it happen. Wow, man. Yeah, it, it's kind of the same thing. I, if anything... With comedy, you're asking people to do more time when they weren't prepared to do more time. Right, exactly. And that's terrible, man. You're 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 putting people in the weird position, asking them to do more than what they originally signed right. on for, yes, and exactly. it gets a little tricky. It gets real tricky. 
So, yeah, I, I can't imagine what happens with that. So we talked about uh, who your favorite artist is and what's your worst experience without saying names uh, or one of the worst experiences. I'd like to hear about a couple if you I'll don't mind. I'll say names. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I just had Cat Williams. I'm hosting one of our shows, and uh, I was looking forward to it, you know, and stuff. And I, I, he wasn't the right host for the, for this particular show, but, you know. It's, you, it's Cat Williams. It's Cat Williams, you know, he'll make it work. And he was just, I mean. It just didn't work out? It just didn't work out. What uh? What kind of crowd was it? What is like a Hispanic crowd? Yeah, Hispanic crowd. Oh, and yeah. It was the Hispanic crowd, and you know, um, he Cat Williams funny, but you know he's also a diva. I mean, he's Cat Williams. Yeah. You know, he's he's sold out all kinds of yeah, stuff. He's big. So try to put him as a host, and you know the host that we have. We already have nine artists on the show, so it's you know a host has to be able just to say hi, bye, get out of there, and. You he know, he couldn't it, put the mic down. It wasn't. It was just disorgan. Not just. I don't want to say disorganized because they threw Cat Williams at me, and uh, so we had no place. We had no time to do it. So unfortunately, he was you know not used to being on standby, you know, and he didn't take well to that. Damn. Yeah. So. What uh was he catty? I mean, I had to use that word. That <laughs> word with him, but was he. he at first he was good, and but then after he, you know, got into his mode and says no, and um, I asked him, I I said okay, just go introduce Brentwood, you know, everybody to Brentwood. He walks on the stage and he says Brentwood and walks back and hands me the mic and goes these these are the dressing room. I had to announce, make it sound like an announcement, because people were in the audience like what? Wow. What, what was that? Um. I uh, I can't say too much about my comedy elders because uh, you, you know how the business is, but damn. Yeah. And those, like, sometimes you, like I was saying that there's some people I'd rather not meet. I'll just stay a fan, but I don't want to meet. And that was probably one of them. Uh, so it was pretty rough. It was pretty rough. What was it like after the show? Was it just him taking off and he was into it was kind of cool, you know. He 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 was cool. It was just chaotic, and you know, and I, that's not his thing, you know. And he said he said bye because I was so we're staying at the same hotel. Um, and then they were calling me to go up to the room, and I said I don't even want to get into it. I said no, you guys do your thing. Your guys cool. Yeah, it, it was, probably would have been a little tense and yeah. wrong kind of energy and yeah, yeah. I don't want to mess up the party. So and then uh, yeah. so he was on the next. I'll just keep going. Yeah, go for it, man. So he was on the the, the next show was for the Snoop Dogg show, and um, he didn't even perform. He didn't even. So what do you do as a producer in that case? Do you does he show goes on? Show goes on. I mean. So what my thing my suggestion was okay since you know I said it'd be best if we just give him his fifteen minutes. Let him do his thing. That way we don't have to babysit him the whole night and you know and stuff like that. And he's not rushed around. So they we we gave him a fifteen minute slot. So and it's 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 hip hop. It's rap show. Every just hundred entourage P you know every every artist has a big old entourage and stuff like that so it was nothing but a party I mean literally the name of the tour Puff Puff Pass so think how that was so uh, I guess he was a lot of Puff Puff Pass in his dressing room and he was just a mummy by the time it was for him to go uh, on and he couldn't go it. up so from a business res- uh, perspective as a producer do you feel pressured to Still pay a headliner like that? No, absolutely not. Absolutely so he, he, not. He didn't. He didn't get paid for that one. Okay. No. Does that get weird? Yes, because uh, you know he was still a diva and asking for another dressing room. I mean, another hotel room and stuff. And you know, it's just it's craziness. But you gotta you gotta stay tough. You gotta be the producer. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's your money. And, and he didn't the, perform. And he didn't perform, and he's going to go on and go to another show, and you're, you're going to be stuck, you know, looking for that money. Wow. So when you do that, um, it gets weird, obviously, but 
Do you ever think about booking them again, or no, no, not at all? Not, not interested. It, it's just not worth your not, not your worth, headache. Not, not worth the mental anguish to go through that. No. Well, you're stressing out the whole show, wondering if he's going to be able to make it to the stage, right? right? Exactly. So, how'd you end up feeling those 15 minutes? Um, we have the, we have all these DJs. Um, oh, so uh, they just oh, fill yeah, the time. And S- Sebastian Santino was there, so he came and filled in. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because. Yeah, uh, you still got to fill the time and right. entertain the crowd and right, right. give them their money's worth. Or exactly, who and wants to walk away from a concert feeling like they got and chipped? And Sebastian you know? always does a well. He does a good job too. Uh, that's good. I haven't worked with him. Yeah. So, uh, so that got weird and keep feeding me, man. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? Um, okay, so we we had Paul Rodriguez. Which is Paul's a friend of mine. We've known each other forever, but so I booked him on um, on a show. It's called the Latin Summit, it, and we have it at the Quiet Cannon. And he misses his plane from Arizona, and so he says, "Don't have one of my friends going to go up there and do it." Uh, I'm like, "What do you mean? You people are coming to see you?" And he says, "I can't get out." So. Look, uh, so I said, hey, call Gilbert. Gilbert, well, smooth there. You know, nobody will even notice and stuff. So I got Gilbert to go, but Paul's guy ended up coming in as well. So I guess Paul had called him to come cover. So so this guy, I said, okay, look, don't sweat. You come up, and then Gilbert, you, you know, come up later. We'll make it happen. Just, you know, three other bands. There's plenty of room. So the guy, you got to remember your job and what you're, where you're at and what you're doing. You're in between bands. You're a host. Got to be like this. He was literally uh, like talking to people, like telling them to shut up so he could perform. And I guess the drummer, one of the drummers was trying to, um, was uh, moving to the drums, setting up for the next act. And he's like, he started talking shit about the drummer and this cocksucking drummer and the drummer literally they got off stage and we had to get I was like get him off get him off the mic um, got off the stroke the drummer went after him on the side of the stage did he whoop his ass? no we had, we had to break it up no. oh really? yeah we had to break it up but the the, the comedian it was really really uncalled for and very unprofessional on what he did and you know just like like we were talking earlier you gotta know your job and thank God Gilbert Esquivel was there and... Oh, he smoothed it right yeah, out, didn't he? smoothed it right up, man. Like, nothing hey, ever hey. happened. Yeah. I love Gilbert, dude. Uh, Gilbert was right there. You know, I got mad love for Gilbert. Have you seen his show? Yeah, uh, I tried. You know, I'm so busy I can't watch the whole thing. It's know? like a variety show. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I, I promised him I'd go on there and, and stuff, and I will go on there as soon as I can... Get away, but you know, it's Lomita's far, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he tells me, Hey, stop by, dude. It's a work night. Last time we uh, we were doing the uh, beta for that, mm. and uh, it, it was the first time he, he, I think, one of the first times he went on Facebook with it, and I was with him. And the response is just amazing, dude. That response, that very first response, he he had people going on there. I was like, Dude, 50 people in two minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, are you serious, man? Yeah, I seen it one time when there was like almost five thousand people on there. Oh, yeah, man. I, I don't know how he does it. It's his personality. It's Lulu's personality. Mm-hmm. She performs here sometimes, yeah, she right? Performs here too. Yes. Yeah, she's I, she's got a following too, right? Yeah, they love her. They they love her. They're she's one of them, so they open up to her. That's cool, man. I, I've had a rough time a few times here, just trying to relate because. Uh, I don't have much of an accent. I went to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they they kind of burn it out of you. Uh, these Irish nuns, they're, they're pretty good at de-ethnicizing you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, no Spanish in school. And, you know, they make sure the parents are speaking in English. And I, lo- I grew up speaking Spanish until the first grade. And all of a sudden, oh, shoot, I have a black teacher. What do I do? <laughs> That's crazy. My family, I'm the second to the youngest. And... All my were from they're from Texas, and my parents were cotton pickers. You know, literally, their families were cotton pickers, and and so my mom, she just she didn't want us to have Latin names. She just, you know, she just didn't want to. Try she to, wanted to integrate, right? Yeah, she wanted you know, not, and there was a lot of dim, uh, discrimination back then, 
and she didn't know it'd be an advantage to be a Latino in this day and age. Uh, but uh, by the time my my brother and I, we she moved to California, uh, she stopped speaking Spanish to us, you know, and it was just English. Now, all my older brothers and sisters, they all spoke Spanish. But with us, she just stopped speaking Spanish. In a way, she was probably doing you a favor, too. But at the same time, you lose something, man. Oh, yeah. I... I, I I see these kids at work. Uh, I, I work in an office, and, you know, they're they're speaking Spanish, and I'm like, you know, I, I can understand you guys. Yeah. I, I feel it, man. I feel it. <laughs> but then I'm like, oh, I don't need salsa. Yeah, I, don't need, I, I don't need any of this shit. I, 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 like I, I understand it, and I can have a conversation. I speak Spanglish. Yeah. You know, but not fluently like that. I could. I, I was able to speak to my grandma. Right, exactly. You know, but <laughs> could, I do, could I do a news report? Hell no. <laughs> Have you seen those guys on Telemundo? They're speaking a Spanish that I've never heard of. I'm, I'm like, Dad, they're speaking Spanish, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, I call it a science Spanish. Because they use... I'm used to the monosyllabic, you know, one-syllable words and seeing, oh, or two syllables. Como? You know, but, <laughs> but these guys, they're... Throwing four-syllable words in Spanish. I, dude, you know what? I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Now right. I'm going to change the channel. It, it's not even... I'm not going to try. Right. <laughs> um, so you've dealt with divas. You've dealt with sweethearts. Um, what, what other experiences do you have that really... You really carry with you? Uh, we were talking about on my tours when we went to Iraq and performed for troops. Yeah. And, uh, in the beginning, you know, when they're pulling all the reserves home, reserves in. I I mean, we when we were performing, I see these young kids crying. I mean, just literally, literally crying and just coming up to you. And you just, you remind me of my, you just brought my home back to me. You know, my parents listened to all this music and uh, it just, I gave them, we gave them a piece of home just for, if only for the hour. And so we have, uh, we have. Um, they weren't prepared mentally to stay there. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. It was heartbreaking. So that was. It's been very memorable because a lot of soldiers still keep in contact and follow us. That's pretty cool. And you know, still thank us every single day. We'll go to an airport and there'll be somebody like, "Hey, we seen you in this base. Seen you in that base." And. You know, and it's it's just really, really rewarding. And, you know, I had family come over and say, hey, you know, you took care of my husband while you were there, you know, bringing us food and stuff. And it's just been really nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's been very rewarding. So real adulation, like uh, real appreciation for what you did to them on a or for them on a personal level right. not not just oh you made my ears feel good no no this it, was, it was tears it was and things. absolutely i know exactly what we did for them that's pretty cool i'm sure the comedians come back you know thinking the same right. or feeling the same thing you know exactly. you you take them away from that's why most of us do it man i mean a lot of comedians are broken and for us to go up there and uh make someone smile after they had a shitty day or, you know, or they're just down, man. Some people, you can just see they're down and you see them just smile, crack a smile and you, you did something, you know, you, you, you stopped it for just a little while and, you know, you, you held the beast at bay. I remember when we were younger and we were playing in our, um, practicing in our garage or, you know, or we were just family barbecues and stuff like that. I remember my Maybe my sister and her husband or family, my mom and dad, everybody was just like on each other, you know, and the attitudes and all that stuff. That's um, oh. The attitudes and all that stuff. And me and my brothers would just go in the garage and we start playing. And little by little, the family would start creeping in there. And by the, you know, by everything, everybody's in there. And then my brother and my brother in law, my sister are all lovey dovey. My mom and my dad were all lovey dovey. And you know, as I had learned that that's what it was. That's what we were doing. We were like make, giving them some happiness. You know, when things were getting a little crazy. Yeah, man. Um, it. And the funny part is, you know, most of the comedians do it for their own therapy. You know that that 
that bit I do about dressing up like a girl in the fifth grade, mm-hmm. my mom and my sisters did that, man. Wow. Yeah, it, it was crazy. I mean, she didn't go to jail or anything. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, you know, you carry that. And then I still remember the other kids whistling, dude. Wow. Yeah. And it, it wasn't like a ha ha ha. No, it, it was like an aggressive. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, dude. And I, I remember I was. Most of that day, I was crying, man. Wow. And uh, the thing about thinking, or my my sisters and my mom telling me I was adopted, that shit happened too, man. People don't people think, oh yeah, he's just talking shit, well, but my, it, it, my, it, my bro- some of that shit my brother Artie, my my younger brother that works with me, uh, we thought we were convinced we were adopted because we we were so white complected, and now for my family's dark complected, and then. Uh, you know, we go to school. There's six white kids at the school, and we were two. We were two of them, but we're not. We're we're Mexican. Yeah, I'm Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a name with Bruce. Exactly. Yeah. So we were convinced we were adopted. <laughs> yeah. After a while, shit, I was like, damn, I'm not adopted. <laughs> you know, with these fuckers. Yeah. It. It's. Uh, yeah. A lot of comedians are jacked up, and I. I don't mean to put it in those terms, jacked up, but, you know. It wasn't an ideal situation for a lot of people. Well, some people just do it because they love to make people laugh, and that's cool. But a lot of us, man, it, there's pain there. Yeah. yeah. And just like I'm sure with some songwriters, like uh, was it Quincy Jones talking about Michael Jackson able to bring up, how was he able to bring up that level of uh, emotion in a song? Because of the abuse he was going through. Right. And, yeah, I'm sure Joe Jackson had a field day with him, you know? Yeah. It sucks, man. But, yeah, it happens, and people work it out their own way. And, shit, I've never talked about this before, man. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's crazy. I always think about Robin Williams. Yeah, um, yeah, big time. Uh, I think about Robin Williams on Anthony Bardot just recently. Uh, you know, doing these wonderful things and out there, and but there's and you don't see the pain behind see their the pain eyes. Behind them, no, not at all. Yeah, and it's crazy because they're good at hiding it. You learn to hide it to not bring people around you down. And uh, you know, I, I'm not depressed or anything, but uh, I've gone through depression before, mm-hmm. and uh, my way of getting out of it was making the people around me laugh, and you you get some worth. Yeah, that's what it is. You, you feel worth when you can make people laugh and smile and do things that you can't do on a real level. Right. You know, so it, it there's a lot that goes into it, man. A lot of uh a lot of feelings and emotions. Yes. Mm-hmm. But uh I'm like I said artists all artists, you know, even painters, especially painters, man, they're there's some jacked up people out there and it's it's messed up not just there i go again insensitive comic but you know they're going through shit it's a lot of people yeah but um what uh what would you say was your as an artist was uh your highlight your your best moment on stage where you felt like the stars and the planets aligned just for you on that one night where it was just perfect. Um, there's a couple of nights. I told you that we performed in India. Yeah. And uh, did a musical festival over there. And just seeing all these people out in the rain and not missing a beat. They didn't care. And that was waking up in the morning and we're on the front page of the newspaper. Uh, I mean, that is just something never forget. Um, we did were, you keep that paper? I have it somewhere. It's, it's, it's some, yes, it's, it's put away somewhere. And then um, we were opened up. It was called the Gibson Amphitheater at Universal Studios. Yeah. It was called the Gibson Amphitheater, and we opened up for Keith Sweat and uh, a couple of the artists, and Stevie Wonder showed up, and they put him in our dressing room. And that was just an amazing experience. But what was great about that, um, they... We were performing, and we were just killing it. I mean, people were just going nuts of our show, and uh, the the stage manager kept going, keep going, because the, the, the next artist hadn't shown up yet. 
So he's like, just keep going. We'll let you know. I said, fine. We kept going. The highlight, um, the actor from uh, Green Mile, Michael... I wait, Michael. The big guy? Yes. Oh, Green. Yeah, Michael Green. Uh, Green. Was it Green? Yes. Yeah, I know who you... Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was there, came backstage, and just became a, became a fan of ours. And he's just congratulating, loving us, and, you know, telling us... You know how much you love. Just came to a couple more shows, and so that was a big highlight as well. I it was awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. awesome, awesome. Um, I was in Hong Kong. We were in Hong Kong, and it was. <laughs> it, we were performing the Millennium in Hong Kong. So. Oh, Y two K. Yes, Y two K. Oh. So, I was really depressed because my wife had left me. So this is. You know, got the Dear John letter. Uh, so I was in Hong Kong, and, and I remember New Year's Eve, you know, everybody's couples, and I just went out to the harbor, and I said, you know, I'm just going to keep going. The harbor overlooking Hong Kong is just wonderful, and I said, I'm going to just, you know, got to get it together and keep keep moving forward. And uh, the next day on New Year's Day, we were about to start playing, and the manager says, no, don't play yet. Got to wait. You have to wait. You have to wait. So here comes, I had some friends in town that were performing. So here comes uh, the band All For One. They came in, and then uh, Sister Sledge came in. They sat them down. And then Whitney and Bobby Brown, Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown came in. And they said, okay, go ahead and play. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, really? And the place is small. It was just VIP seating and people standing around in the back. And it was a jam session with just us on New Year's Day 2000 and uh, I Whitney had been you know she always goes out but she never performs with bands you know Bobby Brown came up and we couldn't kick we couldn't get him off the stage uh, is but, he a diva uh, he was he's just a character he character. was I mean you know at that time um, but we had fun I mean we jammed we played we performed and stuff and uh and then Whitney, we said, Whitney, we got to finish this off right. She ended up singing with us, too. So, And it was before that was before the, the cell phone videos and stuff like that. So I was like, we didn't have it. And we didn't get none of that on tape. But it was just tear in my mind. Never you still forget. have those memories, yeah. man. So there was a reporter who did write an article on us in the Hong Kong uh, newspaper. Uh, but that was just one incredible, incredible night. Damn, dude. You have me on the edge of my seat here, dude. Yeah, that was... So, I... Well, I walked up and I said... I said, how am I supposed to perform with all the, with all y'all in the audience? Because it was just them and they're all their entourages. I said, I know. I said, kick it. And we started off with that, with Salsa, a uh, song that we used to do by Eddie Palomero called Vamos Con Monte. Um, and we started the, the Latin Greek, and Whitney Houston just stood up with her hand in the air, just waving back like that. And so that was badass. Yeah. <laughs> that was really cool. That is cool, man. That's like uh, Paul Rodriguez giving the new comic a standing ovation or something. Just, yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Shit. Um, what would you say was your worst experience up there, personally? Personally, if if you want to share that, well, I mean. I'll tell you. I always um, back when this is back way back in the eighties, I think, oh early nineties, I think. I remember I was just getting depressed, and there was one night I was playing in the valley, and I ended up doing a cocaine. Everybody was doing cocaine, and I I, I would never do it from perform. I am doing performing and. It was just, I hated myself. For doing that? I hated myself to that day. for doing. To this day, I still hated myself. And I knew it was time for me to stop. And we took a four-month leave from performing. We worked with Wawa Watson. And I just, I, I, I was just so, I was like, I still get grossed out thinking about it. I said, I never, I, I when I start doing that, it's time for me to stop. And we stopped performing for like four months just so we could, um, start working with Wawa and, you know... Kind of slow down slow a little down. bit. Yes. that's And that was a horrible experience. So, in comedy, it's pretty easy to get into that if, you know, you let yourself. I, I would imagine music is... 
probably worse. Oh yes, it was. It found its way to us all the time. From fans, from other artists, just from all around you. Like huh? a firm one. <laughs> just finds its way. Really, um, yeah, because you you watch it on TV and you you see this uh, this false narrative or maybe not false where you know people are throwing cocaine on the table and just yeah. sticking their face in it and yeah, it just it was I just when I did that and I was on stage I had the worst feeling in my stomach and I just hated myself right then and there. Was it uh, performance-wise or just because you did it? Because I did it, and I just was not myself, and I didn't feel good about it. And I said, this is, I'm getting, if I'm getting doing this, I'm getting bored. And I just, had, had you done cocaine before that? I had done it. Yeah, I had done it, but never like while performing or before performing. Oh, just like, like after, post-party. Like yeah, but never touched it again. Yeah, I, you know... The only drug I really look really down on, well, two of them, heroin and uh, meth. Yeah. Oh, no, I had one. That was that's way after my time. Yeah, my I have. Uh, I've lost friendships over that stuff. Oh yeah. And um, it, people don't realize when you're the only pothead in a group of six to seven tweakers. <laughs> Shit can get <laughs> shit can get surreal real quick, man. Like one time, I I walk into my friend's uh, house and uh, they're watching Saving Private Ryan. All right, cool. I'm gonna sit down and watch Saving Private Ryan. You know, smoke a little joint here with my homeboy. And uh, I guess they had just got done. Uh, they were smoking it. Oh shoot! Yeah, they they were at that point. So this other cat was just man. When I say reciting every word, word for word, from every actor in that movie, this dumb shit had stayed up late so many times for so many days just watching the same movie on a loop. Darn. That, dude, he had the timing right. I was like, damn, you should go into acting, bro. You you got this fucking timing shit down perfect. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's ugly. And then they... You get the sunken cheeks, and then the they start they start picking. Yeah. At first, it's just one little thing, right? Right. I had a friend who had an abscess on his face. Yeah, yeah just open wound. And how, how do you let that happen, man? It's not you. It's a drug. That's why I never messed with it. Yeah, it's, that's... It, it's, it's, it's gross. It looks... It is disgusting. And the girls, man, some of them... You I see the before women. and after? Oh, my gosh. Damn beautiful. And then you see them a couple years later, and they're all picadas on their face. and it, their it's teeth just, are falling out. And yeah, I, I have family that went through that shit, too, you know? And it, it's sad, man. But um, before we go, dude, uh, do you want to plug anything? I'm sure you have a few shows coming up. Yeah, uh, let me see. You can catch um, my, on my events on... Facebook at Bruce Soto Events. Um, our page is called just Bruce Soto Events. Uh, or if you want to see the band perform, we have a page called Soto Band. Uh, come check it out. We uh, in March we have the Funk in LA show March second at the Microsoft Theater with Morris Day in the Time, and it's so on so on. There's a lot of stuff. So and check the webpage. Yes, and just wish everybody happy holidays. Be safe. And um, stay blessed. Thanks, Bruce. Really appreciate it, yeah. dude. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. And thank you for having us in your club, too, Absolutely, by the way. Um, and uh, this is Enrique Hernandez, your host. And if uh, you guys can please like and follow, uh, we'd really appreciate that. And uh, thanks for listening. Have a great night, everybody. <laughs>